Before we get the intro going here, I just wanted to thank every single person that's listened to even one episode of Enjoy the Ride with Brandon Ide. As your host, Brandon Ide, I um I can't thank you enough. It means a lot to me that you enjoy my content, that you've decided to take some time out of your day and listen to my content. And I cannot wait to start season two sometime in January. Don't have a specific date yet, but I'll let you know. I will let you know. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get the intro going. And the season finale, episode 25 of Enjoy the Ride, begins right now. Enjoy the Ride with Brandon Ide starts right now. This episode of the podcast is featuring my uncle, Chance Mills. He uh, primarily lives in Missouri. Um, I'm not sure if he primarily works in Missouri. I assume he travels from what he's told me. But uh, he is a lineman who primarily works on electrical lines uh, with a bunch of other coworkers. And they make sure that everything is safe on the lines and they fix lines when lines need fixed. And they go way up in the air with helicopters and it's a pretty exciting career so for this episode uh chances on to share an experience of his that happened uh not too long ago and um i can't wait for you guys to hear this one so without further ado let's get it going yellow hello well hey there how are you pretty good about yourself doing real good i'm sitting here uh in my wife's uh makeup chair with a blanket over me oh yeah yeah, it's real comfortable. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing right now? Oh, about to have a damn heart attack because these people are slow as hell trying to put dollies up on this towers. So, oh, give gosh. me a damn heart attack, heart attack, and I'm like, just hurry up, please. That's all I care about. <laughs> damn. Gotcha. Well, uh. Well, uh, I wanted to welcome you to the podcast, first of all. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I appreciate no, it. No problem. Uh, for everybody listening, um, you probably heard in the pre-intro, I made a little pre-intro before we started, just to kind of give people a rundown of who you are and what you do. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah. But uh, it's my uncle, Chance Mills, everybody, and uh, he is a lineman in Missouri, correct? Well, all over the U.S., but... Right, right. Work- yeah, so. Gotcha. And I did mention you traveling. I just, I remember, like, when you were telling me about it, you told me a whole bunch, so I only remembered bits and pieces. Yeah. But I will admit, your job involves a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, um, all right. So, we're just going to jump right into it. I, um, I wanted to... I, w- I wanted to, because I remember, what I remember the most vividly about about you telling me about, you know, the accident that happened and just the whole rundown from that day, I, I remember a lot of what you said to me. So if you could, if you could kind of talk as if you're talking to someone who you've never told it to before, you know, this is the first time you're telling it to them and you know, just try to be as clear as possible so that everybody understands. And uh, I, I kind of I just want to, like, close my eyes and have you take me back there. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. 
I'll do my best anyway. <laughs> hey, that's all right. I I ain't saying you got to paint a picture, but you know, you get. Let's try to sketch. We'll try to sketch something. There you go. Yeah, for sure. All right. Cool. So, yeah. So, uh, first of all, the date. So, w- when did this right. take place? So, it happened on May twentieth of twenty eighteen. Okay. Uh, it was that was a Sunday Sunday morning. So. Gotcha. How was the uh, what was the weather like that day? Uh, it was actually really nice weather. Uh, probably maybe seventy degrees. Probably. Oh wow, that's perfect. Yeah, and uh, we was down in. Uh, we started in Laplace, Louisiana, which is probably forty-five minutes from New Orleans. Okay. Uh, and I would say probably south west of Louisiana or uh, New Orleans there so kind of gives you kind of gives you an idea of where we were at so got you all right now when you uh, when you came into work that day like was everything completely 100% normal yep it was a routine day uh, nothing seemed out of the ordinary we were just doing what we do every day now how so, much how much I, I know that your job's really detailed. How much preparation goes into a normal day? Um I would say probably depending on what we were what what the day consists of, I would say anywhere from probably three hours of preparation to maybe six hours of preparation. So Oh wow. Yeah, it just all really depends on what is going on for that day's of work. So, gotcha. So when you went out for your your days of work, what um what was your task that you were given? So, the task that we were doing was leading up to to the day of the accident. We were inspecting the power lines, high voltage power lines, uh, with the helicopter, and we were taking pictures of each structure we we flew by and identifying critical uh hazards basically with that power line um and so basically like if something was to fall off of that structure how critical would it be like one to five basically you know and you know just saying five would be the highest and one not so much so uh so leading up to May 20th that's what we were doing so May 20th uh we got to the airport where we had our helicopter and we laid out the day and it took took about three hours probably to lay out what we were going to do that day and we had several stops to make um and totaling probably um let's just say two hours worth of work. Okay. And so we had everything laid out. Um, and so me and the guy, we had a newer guy with us and I was actually training him to do uh, what we call skid work. So you're standing on the side of the helicopter working, working from the helicopter on the power line. So um, I was training him to do that. And so we, Oh, wow. That sounds very dangerous. It is very dangerous and very uh, nerve wracking, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) So we uh, 
probably about 9.45 maybe, I think is about what time we took off from the airport. And Okay, 9, 9.45 a.m.? Yeah. So okay. what we were basically going to do is we're going to make a big circle and come back to the airport. And uh, so we started out, I started on the side of it, and we were – we're making our rounds at each stop we were doing and because we had to we had to fix what we found on some of the lines that we inspected so that's what we were actually doing that day we were fixing some of the stuff oh okay so nothing nothing had necessarily fallen down or anything but there was something wrong with the lines. right so about just getting okay. ready to fall so we had to we had Ooh. to fix it so it wouldn't fall so um gotcha yeah so that's what we were doing. Uh, we said we we did a did about three stops, and then me and the the guy I was training, his name is Ryan. We uh, we actually switched positions, and I let him do a couple of them. And so, and he he did really good with them. You know, didn't have any any concern about it whatsoever. And so, about ten forty five. Uh, we get to the structure and everything was going normal. And then all of a sudden I just hear a pop. And then next thing I know, I get, I'm ejected out of the helicopter um, in slow motion. I see the helicopter falling towards the ground and me going backwards in slow motion. No, when you uh, when you were ejected, about how high up was the helicopter? Uh, we were we were sitting about a hundred feet, so hovering okay. hundred hovering about hundred feet in the air. So, what does it feel like when you're in the helicopter? Like when you're way up there? Um, it's pretty loud, so you got to wear hearing protection because the engine is just so loud. Um, okay. We kind of refer to those helicopters. Uh, they're called a Hughes five hundred MD, uh, but we refer to him as a pissed off bumblebee basically. So, <laughs> cause you can hear him from a long ways away coming. It's like, me. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. So gotcha. So, so since it's so loud, how do you guys communicate between each other? Uh, we've got these little, uh, flight helmets and they are, they plug into the helicopter. So, um, it's kind of like what the military uses to communicate with all their flight crew or like uh, AIRVAC. Um, they have helmets that fit over and they got headphones in them and they got a microphone and they're like noise canceling kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it kind of takes away all the noise and they can hear, hear each other talk crystal clear. So nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. So back to it. So you're, you're rejected <coughs> slow motion. You see the helicopter coming down from about a hundred feet up. Yeah. So I'm, I see it going one way and I'm going backwards the other way, slow motion. Wow. So, and then that's the last image I've seen. And then I would say probably knocked out for three minutes, maybe. Um, don't really know how long I was, but I would guess three minutes. Um, then I come to, uh, laying on the ground. Uh, and as I'm laying there, I hear a bunch of water around me. So to me, I think I'm underwater. So I rip my flight helmet off of me and I'm actually, 
I'm on top of the the marsh. We land in the marsh. Um, so if people don't know what a marsh is, it's basically floating land. So there's a little bit of thin layer of grass and mud and everything, and then water underneath it. Okay, so it's like it's kind of like an island. Yeah, yeah, basically like an island. Okay. So, uh, so I'm laying on top of that, laying right against the helicopter. Um, don't know what just happened. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, so I remember trying to get up, but I couldn't move. So the marsh is also kind of like quicksand a little bit. Like, if you stay on it very long, it will it'll almost sink pull you down into it oh geez yeah so so i remember trying to move and i couldn't so i remember turning over my shoulder and the pilot is coming around to check on me uh and he is just covered in mud from head to toe like he looks like he got beat up in a big old bar fight Oh, gee. oh man. Well, I mean, you know, he's he's obviously he was still moving around good enough to come check on you. So I guess that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. So I remember him pulling me, picking me up, and I remember him telling me that I was still attached to the helicopter. So he he unattached me with we call them lanyards. So they're six foot lanyards. Uh, they've got like a little shock absorber into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he unhooked that. So I have a a full body harness on and we walk about 10 feet away from the helicopter and then lay me down on the, on the marsh on top of everything. Um, okay. So at that point he gets all of my gear off of me so I can try to lay comfortably because, and at this point, like I don't feel my left arm. So like I said, I don't know what happened. Um, all I know is we was in the helicopter crash and I was starting to be in pain. So while he's while he's helping you and he's got you on the marsh now and he's, you know, getting your stuff, were you were you two talking back and forth at all? Uh we was talking a little bit, but I don't remember what we were talking about. Uh so okay. but so we he gets me laid down and he goes to his backpack and tries to radio for help with a portable radio that he has. And okay. And it, and it doesn't work at all. So, and I'm just, and, but this time, like I'm in pain, like I'm starting to holler and everything. And it dawns on me that I have my work phone or I did. So I look over at my harness and there's my work phone still attached to it. Oh, okay. So I try to hit my uh, my unlock code. Well, it wouldn't work because of the mud and the water that was in my phone. So, ah, damn. Yeah. So I was pretty upset. I'm like, nobody <laughs> knows like what happened. Like, don't know if we're out there alive or not. So, right. Got a lot of questions and no answers. Yep. So then it dawns on me again. The side button on the iPhone. You can hit that repeatedly, and it will call out to nine one one. Yeah, you know what? Actually, side note for everybody listening to this right now: that's 
a proven fact. You can do that. You hit that side button on your iPhone just a couple times, like in rapid succession, you will call emergency services. Yes. So now, so that starts going, right? Well, at the time, it, you had to slide that over for emergency personnel. So now keep in mind that I said that when I tried to hit my unlock pin, it wouldn't unlock, right? So some mm-hmm. of the buttons wouldn't work. Well, I'm telling you, by the grace of God, when I slid that SOS button, it slid over and dialed 911 for me. Whew. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I'm laying there, and they're like, 911, what's your emergency? I said, I'm just, just involved in a helicopter crash. They're like, sir, where you at? Well, I don't know where I'm at. So I look up, and I'm like, I'm underneath the power line. And I can tell in her voice, in the tone, she's like, sir, like, you're going to have to give me a better, better location than that because there's a lot of power lines <laughs> <All right>. around <laughs> New Orleans. So. She's, like, hey. she's like, hey, man, I wish I could help you, but I, I don't know if you know this or not. There's a ton of power lines. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so oh, then it dawns on me again that we're working between substations. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm between this substation and this substation. Well, then I lose the call. I Ah. drop the call. I'm like, dang it. So I'm laying there and we try to get her back. And I think I got her back again. And the pilot starts talking to her, trying to explain where we're at. And well, all that's going on. Little did I know that there was three friends. So basically where we crashed at, it was basically right in their backyard that I didn't know at this at the time, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the power line kind of runs in their backyard. So they had heard us working all, all morning and then they didn't hear the helicopter anymore. So they sprung into action, three guys minding their own business. And they was actually getting ready for a barbecue that day. And uh, so they didn't hear the helicopter. So they sprung into action, started coming out in the swamp, you know, and little did I know, or the pilot know, we didn't know that they were coming. So, All right. Those guys are pretty great for coming to help you because Lord knows if I, if I would have heard that helicopter all day and then all of a sudden I don't hear it, my first assumption is, oh, well, they must be done with their work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of people's assumptions too. So. Absolutely. Um, so they get out there, they're starting to come. Well, in the marsh, there's things called cattails, so real tall grass. Okay. Well, those, those were so tall that one of the guys had to stand on top of their, they call it an amphibious vehicle. So it's got like six or eight wheels and then tracks on it, on those wheels. So it kind of can go through the mud and water and stuff without oh, getting yeah. stuck. Yeah. I've seen those before. Those are pretty cool. They are. So they said when they pulled up to the scene, they said it was something out of like NCIS type of scene. <laughs> like it was horrible. Oh, geez. There was fire all around us. I mean, so yeah, I'm th- I'm so thankful that those guys showed up when they did. Uh, but little did I know that one of their wives actually had to stand in the middle of the road to stop an ambulance and actually direct them in to how to get to us because 
the ambulance was going up and down the road and couldn't find us. Like, didn't know how to get out there. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So they were, uh, they were able to get them directed into us and then told them, like, you got to have an airboat. So they finally got an airboat out there. And the whole time I'm laying there and I'm like, somebody please hurry up and come get us. Like, like they say that there's a golden hour with a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And from the time of the accident to the time I got to the hospital, I was like 55 minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like, I was knocking on death's door. Like, I was right there at it. So, wow. so, I mean, you know, this whole time where you're you're laying there and you know for a fact now that emergency services are coming, like, what's going through your mind? What's going through your head? I'm just wanting them to speed up and get there a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's an understandable thought. I totally yeah. get that. I'd yeah. been thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's all I was thinking. I was just like, hurry up. Damn. All right. So they finally get there. And then what happens? So they finally get there. Um, they finally load me up onto an airboat. Um, and then the, everybody piles in the airboat. Well, they start to take off while well, the airboat sinks. So oh, like, I'm like, this is just delaying trying to save me. Like, come on, people. Well, the whole time that so those guys got there, and by the time the EMS get there, like, I'm going in and out of talking to people like I'm in and out, in and out. Like they keep waking me up, making sure I'm staying awake. They like, they don't want me to die out there, which is understandable. Right. Yeah. Just trying to make sure you stay conscious and everything. Yeah. So, so finally get me on the airboat, finally get me to the helicopter, uh, and then fly me to the hospital. And so, and I, I know for a fact that I was in and out on the helicopter ride to the hospital and everything like that. So then they finally get me into the hospital and uh, they run me through like a, a CT scan, probably, yeah. probably 30 times or more. And I'm yeah. laying there and I'm like, can we be done with this now? Like, <laughs> can we get on with surgery or something? So, right. I know they're, just, they're all, they're all over there thinking about your head and you're just like, Hey, I can't really feel my arm. So like if we could, yeah, if we could kind exactly. of make this speed up. Yep. So <laughs> finally they call my wife, which is your aunt Ashley. And mm-hmm. they tell her, Hey, we have your husband here at the hospital. I think we talked for 30 seconds, maybe on the phone. Um, well, little did I know that she was already in talks with my company to get her and the family down to New Orleans. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't. That was that. that was quick. Yeah. So. um, So they finally I got into surgery. So basically from. The first surgery I had, I had nine surgeries altogether. So the first one I had was about. 12 to 14 hours long. Whew. Yeah. 12 to 14 hours. Oh my gosh. That is extensive. Yeah. So, so basically, um, oh, so nine surgeries, six blood transfusions all together. I was losing a lot of blood. Oh, I bet. And 32 days 
between two hospitals. So that's the hospital down in New Orleans and the hospital in Columbia, Missouri. So both of them are university hospitals. Uh, so I've seen a, a lot of doctors, so to say the least. I will admit, though, you know, helicopter crash happens and you're in the hospital for a total of about a month. It's not terrible. No, no, it's not terrible at all. <laughs> so, um, so she gets down there to the hospital and she stayed by my side the entire time. She's so awesome. Yeah. So she is amazing. So, um, so we're, like I said, we're in there, in there about a month, finally be able to get, get to go home, uh, but the whole time, so all nine surgeries, they are in salvage mode to try to save my arm. So, because it was basically, so basically it shattered out my left elbow. So I don't have an elbow anymore. Like there's nothing there. Um, it just dangles. Uh, the two lower bones in your forearm, I broke those mm-hmm. in three different spots. I have plates and screws in those. Whoa. And my left shoulder blade, I broke it. So Yeah, I yeah, I remember you I remember you showed me a few pictures and I remember seeing your back. I remember seeing the shoulder blade. Yeah. So it's all scarred up and everything like that. Um oh I also had four different major infections from the swamp in my left arm where my elbow was. Ah jeez. So, and like they I was on two different antibiotics the whole time and they were like 1250 milligrams each. So I was on a lot of antibiotics. Hey, when you, uh, when you were in the hospital, what was your favorite food to eat? Oh man. Uh, actually like the hospital food has gotten a lot better. So like they, I had pasta and pizza and basically anything I wanted. Nice. Okay. I've just, I've heard, you know, I haven't heard the greatest things about hospital food, but I'm glad that it's improving. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely improving. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. Just whenever I think about extended hospital stays, I just think to myself, like, man, I get why people lose weight while they're in the hospital because it's like, I don't really want the food. (laughs) Yeah. Now, granted, I did lose a lot of weight. I lost probably about 30 pounds in the hospital. Now, now, were you thinking to yourself, you know, now before, before the crash happened, were you thinking to yourself like, you know what, I'm thinking about trying that Jenny Craig stuff, but then the crash happened and you were like, well, never mind. Yeah, no, no, I was actually doing pretty good. Like I was, I was happy with my weight and everything like that, but oh, yeah. all right. So I was happy, but now that since the crash happened, I've put on probably about 60 pounds. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, gotcha. well, you know, you're a tall guy, though. So, I mean, honestly, when when you spread out 60 pounds throughout your body, you know, someone who's what are you like, six, five, six, 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 four, six, four. Ah, yeah. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> six, yeah. Yeah. You spread that weight out. It honestly don't look bad. No, no, not at all. So I was pretty happy that I gained some weight out of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Look, feeling a little healthier. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Okay. So after, okay. So you're, so you're in the hospital 32 days between two different hospitals. And, um, once you come out, 
like what's your what's your uh, recovery and rehabilitation process like so i would say i had uh they call it occupational therapy is what i went through okay and i was in it for about five months straight and that was basically three times three times a week gotcha so monday wednesday friday so and it was about about an hour long each time so so at the beginning at the beginning of the rehab process like was that like how how tough was it for you to you know have have weight bearing on your arm and stuff like that oh it was very tough um there was no like i couldn't put anything on it and basic the first few sessions was basically a lot of massaging to get the swelling down um because my arm swelled up to probably the size of my thigh like it was huge oh geez did you did you did you look over at ann ashley and you're just like hey i got some biceps check that out yeah yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) um but there was a lot of a lot of bandage that had to be changed out daily that and or Ashley did a lot of, um, so that really helped out a lot. So, good, good. So, okay, so you went from because I remember, I remember when we came down and visited. I remember that you were able to put some weight on it. I think you said something like five or ten pounds. You're able to put up with it. Yeah, so about five pounds, and that's it. Because um, there was there was so much damage inside my arm. Uh, the muscles and tendons basically everything got distorted in there so uh so what movement i do have is what's left in there so what muscles left and what tendons are actually activating it so gotcha okay so man you're you're running on a deficiency right now yeah yeah so all right so i mean since it's been a little while since we came down has has anything changed since then not really it's about the same so it uh okay I wish I could do more with it, and that's probably been the biggest struggle. Um, when you go being left-hand dominant and you have to go to learning to do everything right-handed, that was probably the biggest struggle of the recovery process. And and I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. So, For sure. But, the you know, when when you go through something like that and then you look at what happened to you physically – it, uh, I mean, not only does it put physical scars on you later, you know, when you're recovering, but it kind of puts some mental scar tissue in you as well. Oh yeah, for sure. That's been another big, big challenge too, is the mental, mental game that I struggle with daily and will probably continue to struggle with probably for the rest of my life. For sure. For sure. We, uh, well, I got to say, man, you got real lucky because you got a big family that loves you a lot. Yes. Yes, I do. So I'll tell you, you got a nice place too. You got a real nice house. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. Gosh, man. Well, that I'm, I'm so happy that you could take me back to that day. And I, I don't know. I just, I felt like, I was more in it than when you told me about it when we were at your place. Right. I just, yeah. yeah. Cause I get, I get the sense of what the weather was like that day. What, what specific task you had to do that day, who you were with, 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and actually, you, just now you even added in a little more details than what you told me before. So yeah. now I've got now I've got everything. And I just I remember you so, so vividly. I remember you pulling out that box with all your equipment in it for work. Yeah. And just kind of showing me everything and to to see how banged up your helmet was, especially it just it really got to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know if I didn't have that helmet on it would probably be be a different story for sure. So heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Well, heck, you know what? We're uh, we're creeping up on a half an hour right now, so I uh I think we'll go ahead and say goodbye to the people. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. So hopefully hey, I man, painted no a good problem. picture. You got You know what? I think you painted a beautiful oil painting. All right. Perfect. That's what I wanted. So beautiful. Uh for everybody listening, Thank you so much for listening to the season finale, Uncle Chance. You are on the season finale. All right. Yes. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's awesome. But, man, I'm so excited. I uh, I think I'm going to get season two started sometime in January. All right. We'll be doing that. See if I can get some more listeners. Yeah. All right. But, I appreciate y'all listening. Yes, I appreciate you as well. We both do. So uh, we send our love to the people out there. Thank you so much for your story, Uncle Chance, and uh, I will talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later, man. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Enjoy the Ride podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you've got some time, be sure to leave a review. Thanks, guys. And you'll hear from me on the next podcast.